your poor, poor, poor office mate. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. You must crush the wheels of industry under the might of your keys. Take them down. These are the rules that you have to win. I only realized after the video went up and uh, a lot of people were leaving a bunch of comments about my office mate who must have been overhearing me do this script over and over again. I only realized once reading those the true strangeness of his perspective because he rented the office next to mine at some point in the summer when I was away. And though I never see him because I don't have to walk past his office, he does see my office. And so he would have walked past this empty room with two desks stacked on top of each other and no chair and nothing inside of it and thought, huh, I wonder, I wonder what's going on in the office next door. I wonder why this storage closet is unattended. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> because why would there be two tables on top of each other? They were just storing them. Perfectly reasonable assumption. And then, at some point from his perspective, the neighbor just shows up and is walking through this half-written script on the rules of power constantly at odd hours. Like he never, he never would have heard me talking about anything other than this single topic. And he would have heard me talking just this morning, doing it again with the follow-up videos. But so this is, you know, whatever it is, from the start of September until now, this is, this is all he has heard from me next door. After being in the office on his own for a while, probably wondering what the deal is with the strange room next door, and then finding out. I don't know if he's found out. Yeah, I don't mean found out as in he understands what's occurring. I mean found out as in like, oh, this is what's next door. A crazy person. I don't even know if you think that was crazy. Like, I would th- it would be scary. So we're talking about your The Rules for Rulers video. Yes. <laughs> the worst part of this is that this isn't even a Hello, I'm CGP Grey talking to you, the internet video. This is a I am a dictator and I am telling you, learned dictator, who's trying to rise up the ranks, how to control the world. <laughs> That's the real problem with this, is it's not just explaining these things, it's right. talking about them as if you're already doing them. Yeah, it was It was a little bit of the screw tape letters, like of the senior demons talking to the lower level demon. Like, this is this is kind of what it was. And so, yes, this is why on the last episode we had that little bit of a discussion about like in your videos, thinking about the things you're adding on the screen as the editor, as like a separate person. Uh, I, I was very aware in writing and rewriting this video, spending a lot of time trying to find like, what what is the voice? Like, how am I actually going to talk through all of these things? And I did eventually decide on on exactly what that was, which is the this feeling like this is someone who is who is instructing an apprentice like that's that's the mood that i'm going for here that's what i'm going to try to achieve when i record the audio and as people might not realize like when i'm actually working through the script i am saying it just like that because i'm, I'm trying to hear how are each of these lines going to sound when they're spoken so the voice in that video is the voice next door to this guy for months <laughs> so dear listener if you've if you've not yet watched this video go and watch this video now because we're going to talk about it and it won't make any sense to you otherwise. Now, I want to know where the idea for this one came from, because it's it's 
kind of like some of the other stuff that you've done, like in that you know you've you've done videos about mayors and popes and kings and things like that. So there's like there's some links there, and I guess yeah. there are some geog- geographical ties to it because you're talking about controlling countries, but it feels a little bit different, and also the presentation was a little bit different. So like, where did your original idea for this one come from? So th- th- there's a thing when I look at uh, the videos that I make, there's going to be a, maybe a recurring theme in this conversation, but I often just see what they are not. Like I'm very aware of all the things that they leave out and that they don't talk about or what I intended to do, but haven't actually done. And so for the last U.S. election, I was working on a video that was a big combination of all of the things that are wrong with the United States government, like the mechanisms of the way that it works. I think the U S just happens to have a, like a, a bunch of pieces that individually wouldn't be so bad that, but like, but all together add up to be a problem. And I was working on this script for a while and I ended up not making it for the last election, but it was a thing that I kind of tinkered on for a while. And a, like a big, a big video about something about like the big scale picture of the structure of politics was always on my mind. And I ended up reading a bunch of books uh, that were around this topic, like covering it from, from different angles. And at some point, maybe two years ago, I'd have to look at my book list for uh, precisely when it was. But I think about two years ago, I came across the dictator's handbook and I felt like, ah, this book is doing a great job of synthesizing a bunch of the things that have been rolling around in my head and and making a coherent picture out of a bunch of little pieces of things that I wanted to talk about and trying to show like a like a way to think about this stuff as a theory to explain the actions of rulers. Essentially my original script that was entirely about the United States that I was tinkering with the part about the US like kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller which with each draft and each time more and more and more about the structure of politics took over until eventually at some point I realized you know what I think this is actually better to to just do as like an elucidation of the ideas in the book and so if if you watch the video there is uh one section Maybe it's like 15 minutes in, but I just I just quickly say about how, oh, in in a uh, in a democracy, there's a couple of tools you can use to help reduce the number of voters you need to get into office. Like you can change the voting system. You can gerrymander the boundaries. You can have party pre-elections with complicated rules that limit who people can people can vote for. And once the re-election rates are super high and the approval rates are really low, you know that you've won. That paragraph is the only thing that's left from what was thousands and thousands of words of a different script that was focused on the United States. So like, it's a funny experience for me to watch it and see that, that like one thing over the space of years thinking about a topic, like gets smushed down and compressed and something else grows around it so that's the way the script looks uh, from my perspective one of my favorite things was watching the video and i'm maybe about 12 or 13 minutes in something like that and it dawns on me that all of these things could apply to companies and ceos 
and then you <laughs> reference it like you call it out at the end which is which is awesome but there was this moment where i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> ceos are really just dictators yeah well to also go with the theme of of things left out this video ended up being just a just a a really brutal thing to make uh this this turned out to be the hardest thing that i have have yet written to date previously humans need not apply held held that mantle uh but this one has has definitely taken that and taken that by quite a quite a wide margin because the first drafts of this video were 15,000 words long and for comparison the the final version is about 3,000 words long and it's it's because this idea touches on so many aspects like like with companies uh that I wanted to talk about all of these these different pieces right like how does this relate to this how does this relate to that and it was very hard to make that workable but the the section on companies is like a very obvious thing to think about and it may come up in a in a follow-up video but but the reason i didn't talk about companies is because there's a there's an unavoidable uh, additional piece of information that i'd have to talk about if i want to talk about companies that i like i had to leave out of this first video because it was just too much like every time i ran the idea past other people when i was talking about this project i could see like oh this is the moment when i lose you so i had to leave it out of this but it's this idea of the relationship between the ruler and the keys to power and how like how replaceable are the keys to power and you can end up in situations where you have a ruler who has a small number of keys, but they're very highly replaceable, right? Or a ruler who has a large number of keys, but it's very difficult to replace them. And this, this is essentially best understood when you're thinking about like companies and boards of directors that essentially the more power a CEO has over the board, the more the CEO is able to replace the members of the board the more leeway that CEO has, right? Like they have more power to just do what they want. But if, if the CEO is not able to replace their board members, then the CEO is like much more beholden to what the board wants versus what the CEO wants to do. Feels something like the founder's advantage. There's an excellent story. I don't, I've actually never verified if this is true. It just, it sounds so true. I have a hard time not believing it because it's related to Steve Jobs here. <laughs> it's like, I, I was wondering how far we'd go into this conversation before he popped up. Right, yeah. But uh, I, I have heard, I'll be curious to know in the comments if this is true or not. Um, but I, I have heard that, that on the return to Apple after Steve Jobs had been banished the first time when the board had gotten rid of him, that one of his key negotiating requirements was that he was able to pack the board with his own cronies and he was able to get rid of a bunch of people who were on the board of directors. And I think that that's a perfect example of people think of the company as like the expression of the individual, right? But it can only be an expression of the individual if they're very secure in their position of power. Steve Jobs was no fool coming back to Apple. Fool me once. Yeah, exactly. So he, he set it up so that 
he was in a position where he was able to do whatever he wanted with the company. It's like, that's why he was able to make decisions that were egregiously unpopular sometimes. But it's because he had control over the board, right? Where, whereas there are plenty of examples where the CEO has essentially no control over the board. And then the CEO is just a puppet, right? They're, they're not actually like an actor who is influencing the direction of the company like they they can't influence the board so the board influences them but this but this idea of how replaceable are the key supporters it was like one idea too many mm-hmm. and it ends up like bringing in talking about companies so i did leave it off but i i had to as you mentioned like i had to reference it at the end because i did just want to call it out like this is not just politics i would have been almost disappointed if you didn't you know yeah because it was it was so clear to me when watching so, it. So why was it clear to you? Like, were you thinking of anything in particular? Just having worked in a multinational corporation, like y- you can see the idea of the keys and like the protection of the keys, and mm-hmm. even from like a financial perspective, right? The the, the keys are rewarded. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like okay, I, I can see all of this. Like, I can see how this this layering effect is so you know even even down to things like talking about the control of the way that money moves people and even like mm-hmm. down to like the peasant idea <laughs> who, who who are the peasants in this metaphor mike i wouldn't even know but it's like the, this kind of staging of people and power and financial reward that like goes from the bottom to the top like that is a multinational corporation it, it's one of those things where I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm I'm talking about ideas that are almost so obvious. It's like why even discuss them? And I think I mentioned last time, but this is this often happens to me when I'm writing a script. There's some point where I look at it and I think, why am I even talking about this? Like, isn't isn't it obvious to say that people in power have people who help them stay in power? But I I do think that like there is real value in laying it out in a like a small concise simple manner because like i I, because i have to cast my mind back to remember like i feel like this pulled together some ideas that were rolling around in my head but it's different to see it laid out and it's like ah okay this makes sense right this makes sense how you can see in a company or in a business how when someone gets promoted they often try to bring their immediate subordinates with them, right? Wherever they're going. And you're like, why? Why would they do that? It's like, this is why, right? They're trying to bring their power base up together. Like it's a kind of reward for the people who have helped them. I think it's a really harsh but necessary lesson for people to understand who are working within businesses. That like often what the people above you want is not what is ostensibly good for the whole company. Like they want you to do things that make them look good mm-hmm. to the people that they are keys to. Right? Like it's it's this hierarchy that's going up. And I think it's yeah. it's if you can think about that, like it's in some ways it's not a pleasant thought, but I find it like an incredibly liberating and clarifying thought like okay i understand what this structure is 
I think my earliest example of this years and years ago, like the first the first time I had to face one of these ideas of what does the machine tell you it is versus what is the machine actually? So I went to college primarily to do uh, physics at university. And the, the way courses and time happened to work out, I, I ended up with a bunch of time in my final year as a, as a senior in university. And I was trying to think about what to do. And this was around the time I was also getting interested in economics. And I had a friend of mine who was getting interested in economics. And the two of us sat down and we looked at the course load one day and we realized, oh, hey, we can actually fit a whole economics minor in the last two semesters of our senior year, right? As, as we're sitting there in junior year, trying to plan out the, the next year. Like, oh, this is, this is really interesting. Like we can, let's, let's do this, right? We have the time. There's nothing else we're going to do, you know, might, might as well. Like what does it hurt to add an additional minor to our, to our graduation? So we intended to do this. We signed up for all of the classes, right? And, and we're going to these classes and it was like an interesting, fun time. And me and my friend, we were doing really well in the classes because we had a ridiculous unfair advantage, which is that uh, many of the classes we were taking were essentially freshman level classes, right? And we're two seniors in the, in these classes. And also the way economics is structured, a lot of the really hard stuff, like the math, are specific instances of general cases in physics, so basically, like if you have done a physics degree, a lot of the hard math in economics is a lot easier to do mm. just because you, you've seen it or you've seen something very similar to it before. So my friend and I were doing really well in these classes. Uh, and then es essentially what happens is that the head of the economics department gets the dean of the university to boot my friend and I out of the classes after the cutoff of when you could theoretically drop classes are like we're, we're just ejected from these classes. And it, it was, it was like so infuriating. Like we couldn't get any reason. Like, why did this happen? I don't understand why this happened. We're really screwed now because now we're part-time students all of a sudden, right? When we'd planned to be full-time students, which has all of these effects on your funding and where you can live on campus. Like, it was a huge problem. And, you know, I, I was rather upset at the time. And I eventually found out through one of the physics professors that the reason this occurred is because the university had a structure that determined how grading curves could be used. And that my friend and I were ruining the curve for the economics classes. And that we were making that class look like they were much worse and getting much worse grades. And so the head of the economics department got rid of us because it was bringing down her average grade reports up to the university dean. And she had some favors that she could pull from him to get a thing that's not supposed to happen to happen. The top level was too high. You were, you were weighting it poorly. The difference between the grades that my friend and I were getting were too far from the rest of the class. So we were artificially pushing down the grades of the other students, which then reflected badly on the economics chair. Right. And so like and so th this was like a really eye opening moment of, oh, OK, this university is busy telling me about how it is a place of learning. Yes, this is where it is maybe harshest. And I, there's a huge amount of that that is true, but 
if you do learning in the wrong way, you suddenly <laughs> discover that there's a bunch of kingdoms, right? That there are kingdoms that are defending resources, that are negotiating for various things with each other. And that if you end up on the wrong side of these things, you are but a pawn in this larger system. Like, and and that, that was a very, very eye-opening early example of this to me so what what this makes me think of and and it's like a harsh reality that that i face it's very similar in this and it's why it's so shocking to learn about or think about any of these things in this way from democracy to all the way down to education Mm. is that people care about themselves more than the thing they are supposed to be doing so in this instance the professor cared more about her job and her grades and how that looked on her than your learning. Right. And for me, it was like people cared more about their own job performance than about the customers of the bank. Right, right. Or doing what's right for the person. They cared mm-hmm. more about their own job performance, not even necessarily the bottom line of the company, just their own personal job performance. And I, how frustrating I used to find that because I liked to believe in the greater good of it all, old innocent Mike <laughs> over here, you know, like that I thought we were supposed to be doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's where like these things become harsh. And, and as I said, like it is harshest in your example because it is I am a student trying to learn and right. I have been denied the education because it makes somebody else look bad. Yeah. It's it's funny. Like, I am I am the most, you know, let it go kind of person that is possibly alive. But every once in a while, that's still, I remember that. And I feel like I should have gotten that economics minor. But because of just some, like, political thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. As it didn't happen. Like, what does it matter? Right. Like, it matters not at all. It doesn't matter for anything. I ended up going to graduate school for economics anyway. Like, it didn't, it affected nothing in my life. But, like, it, it's, it just, I think sometimes I remember it because it's, it is that facing the, like, the reality of the thing versus the idea of the thing. Yep. And, and yeah, that's, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> and I think that's why people have been enjoying this video because it's like the macabre of finding this out is exciting and interesting (laughs) right like i I think that's why the video seems to be doing really well from a numbers perspective i want to come to those numbers in a minute but Mm -hmm. like you know i've seen a lot of people talking really positively about the video from an enjoyment perspective because it's like breaking social norms in a way like the things that we expect of these people i think a thing that i have a hard time conveying is is this idea of I'm not being cynical here, but I, I think cynical is is a word that's sometimes used to dismiss a thing. But I, I feel like I am trying to talk about the reality of something yeah. which might be uncomfortable to acknowledge. It's not cynicism; it's it's realism. Like this is what is happening, and and I still like to believe that there are dual parts of this. Like the people will try and get themselves into office because they want to be powerful. Right, like I think you have to have that thing in your brain that not everybody has, like the desire to want power in the first place. But there are still people within that system that want to do an element of good. Yeah, it, it's not saying that like it's all bad, 
but there are bad parts of it that you have to know to be able to understand the good. Yeah, it's like if you... It is not a refutation that there are no good politicians and no and nobody's intentions are good. Mm-hmm. Right? But it is it is just simply trying to acknowledge the structure in which people work. Yeah. Right. And like and that's a, that's a it's a different thing from just being cynical about the idea that like oh all politics is terrible. It's like I'm not I'm not saying that. But I what I'm trying to say is if you're working in a business if you want to go into politics, if you want to be effective for the right reasons, you need to understand how this works. Yeah. There are things you're going to need to give up. Yeah, there are things you're going to need to give up. There's there's things that you're going to need to do. And it's one of the reasons why, like, you know, I sometimes joke online about, like, oh, being president or being king. But it's like, I am perfectly well aware that I have no interest in actually doing that because I would be no good at the things that are required to be in those positions of power. It's not like it's hard to sit down and come up with ideas about how things could run better. Almost anybody can do that. Like it's, it's pretty easy to look at any structure of power and, and come up with a way that they could do a thing better. Yep. But that's a totally different question of what would you need to do to get into a position where you could really actually change the thing that you're complaining about. Like, that's a totally different question. You know, and, and I think most people aren't willing to do that. And, and, that, and, like, and that's, the way, that's the way things are. But it's, I don't view it as a kind of cynicism. And I, I think it's a useful thing to think about. Like, I mean, this is before I came across the dictator's handbook, but even when I was when I was working as a teacher, I was much more aware of the power structure of the school and how it related to me as a teacher working in the school. And it's like, there is no doubt that thinking about this stuff from one level removed made my life way easier because I, w- I was aware of doing things like signaling to certain people I am not interested in promotion. Like I, I am, I am a cog in this machine. Right? This, this is my role. I'm happy to be here. Like I am at the bottom level of this. I am no competition for you. We're not, we're not going for the same job. Like I'm just going to be a physics teacher. That's all I want to do. And then understanding that the best way for me to be left alone is simply never cause problems for my managers. <laughs> right? So like constantly thinking about what did the managers need to see how can i do that and other stuff is not necessarily as important that's how i'm going to fly under the radar it's like i can let some stuff go in this job if i recognize like ultimately what does my manager not care about that's the thing i'm jealous of because i knew i needed to be that way to be left alone (laughs) i just couldn't keep my mouth shut but it's so it's so hard Right. It's it's so hard and it's it's so frustrating. And you can you can be sitting in a meeting and I I would definitely have this of sitting in a meeting and just reminding myself, like, just keep your mouth shut. Just don't say anything because like there's no you have no political capital here to actually do anything. You've set that up on purpose so that you're not going to be conflicting with anybody. All you want is for this meeting to be over and to be and to be back doing your side projects as soon as possible. Like that's the actual goal, right? Don't 
Don't interject. I was such a nightmare. <laughs> I had two modes in meetings. Mm-hmm. I cracked endless jokes mm-hmm. in a way that I don't in any other such situation in life. I don't make as many jokes as when I would sit in these meetings. I would just make fun of everything. Mm-hmm. And or I would start shouting. <laughs> that, they were my two modes. Make jokes, start shouting. It's not good, Mike. I couldn't help not myself. Good. I just, no. I'm, I am very opinionated. And I, as much as I hated my job, I cared about the core of it. Like mm-hmm. I had a belief in a thing that I was doing because I can't do something unless I believe in it. Like mm-hmm. I would have just not been able to do it at all, which is like that was how I got in my job prior to the marketing job. I cared about it so little that I used to go into the office and do nothing. <laughs> I would go in for eight hours and I didn't do a thing, right? <laughs> so do not advise that course of action. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by Tracker. Smart cars, smartphones, smart homes. Technology is making everything smarter, but now we have more possessions to lose, which makes us feel not so smart. Now, I have sitting next to me a suitcase. I'm going on a trip tomorrow. When I travel, I am in constant fear of losing my suitcase. Maybe somebody takes it, maybe I put it down and forget about it, or maybe it just gets lost in a baggage carousel system somewhere. So, I have a tracker in my suitcase, because it makes losing things a thing of the past. The tracker is a coin-sized device that locates misplaced keys, wallets, bags, computers, even pets, in seconds. You just pair your tracker to your smartphone, attach it to any item, and you can find its precise location with a tap of a button. It's that easy. You can even track up to 10 devices at once with your phone. And what if you lose your phone? Right, So you have set up all of your trackers and then you can't find your phone. You've lost it somewhere at home. You just press a button on any of your connected tracker devices and your phone will play a lovely chime, which is very loud, even if it's on silent. So you always know where it is and you can just go and grab it. With over 1.5 million devices registered, Tracker has the largest crowd GPS network in the world. So your lifestyle item will show up on a map even if it's miles away. All the trackers connect to each other and you can help locate your items that way. The Tracker app records your lost item's last location and when another Tracker user comes within a 100 foot range, you'll receive a GPS update of your item's location. You can also now personalize your trackers with a laser engraved message or a custom printed image as well. I have some lovely Cortex tracker units that Lovely Focal Tracker sent to me. And Tracker is enabled by Bluetooth LE, so the battery lasts up to a year. With Tracker, you'll never lose your possessions again. Go to thetracker.com and enter the promo code Cortex and you'll get a free Tracker Bravo unit with any purchase. That's T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R.com, code Cortex, with any purchase to get your free Tracker Bravo. Thank you so much to Tracker for their support of this show and Relay FM, and also for giving me peace of mind so I don't lose my suitcase. I want to come back to something that it's kind of like a, a little elephant in the room that we've not discussed yet, which is the fact that this video is 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. This is abnormal. There has been one other video on your channel that's that's reached kind of over this uh, probably around 10-minute mark. Your videos mm-hmm. tend to be under 10 minutes. And oh, that yeah. was one that you've already mentioned a moment ago, which is Humans Need Not Apply, which is a 15-minute video, which was also right. a pain in the ass. Yeah. And now you've done this one, which is 20 minutes, yeah. plus later follow-ups, which you've mentioned. 
And yeah. you call out maybe two or three of those in the video. So I want to know, like, at what point in this process did this become a single 20-minute video and not, like, two 10-minute videos? And was this decision related in any way to YouTube's seeming preference now for watch time overviews? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um... <sighs> so for people that don't know... Typically, in the, in the history of YouTube, views have been king. The way to get promoted most in the algorithm, the way to get on the front page, the way to get the most money from your ads was to get the most views. Mm. YouTube has pretty much silently changed this. It's one of these things that, um, as I've looked more and more into this, there, there are many things on YouTube that just get passed from person to person because somebody told someone and then it kind of moves out. Yeah, this yeah, this is definitely a thing that happens, which is everybody trying to speculate and a game of telephone occurs about what the algorithm may or may not be doing. It's very it's very hard to try to separate that from what is the algorithm actually doing. But the current agreed upon consensus is that watch time, which is the amount of time somebody spends watching a video, is worth more to you than views. So what a lot of people are doing now is making longer videos so you get more minutes that can be viewed, so it pushes your watch time up, pushes you through the algorithm, enhances your ad rates. And it is believed that YouTube is trying to do this to curb click, like view clickbait, because people will give clickbait titles, you get the view, you get the number. But then people stop watching within 20 seconds because it's actually not what they were, were tuning in for. So watch time, and you know we were talking about those retention figures last time, they mm. kind of go hand in hand. That is more indicative of a video being worthwhile if somebody has watched through the, most of it. So the watch time seems to be the thing that people are focusing on. So a 20-minute video has a higher chance of getting more allotted minutes than a four-minute video. Yeah, there's, there's a few things that are mixed together with the conversation that occurs around watch time. And I actually recently just put a, a ton of data from all of my videos into a bunch of spreadsheets to try to take a look at the data on my own channel and how it relates to watch time. Because Precisely because of what you said before of tr trying to figure out like how much of this is just rumor, how much of this is real, is there anything that I can pull out of my own data set to try to get an answer to this? And there's, there's two questions, one of which is how much does YouTube promote a video if it has a large amount of watch time? And ultimately, I think that's unknowable. Like the, the, um, the effect that that has, I, I just don't know. I can say with an extremely high degree of confidence that YouTube is using watch time as a proxy for video quality that that's this is the best met metric they've come up with to try to figure out is is this a video that people want to see i think that's sensible on paper let's just say i had some interesting conversations with some people about this and i can't come up with a better way you, know, you need to have some kind of number to feed the machine about how good our videos are, are, are or how not good our videos. Watch time seems pretty good. 
you know, and, and I've, I've lived through the various phases where you can see that the YouTube algorithm is poorly attuned to what is good. And it sometimes has hilarious results. Boob apocalypse was a few years ago <laughs> where just thumbnails with boobs in them were everywhere all over YouTube for like a month because of some tweaks to the algorithm. And they had, they're like, oh God, we've done it all wrong, right? Like we've done a terrible thing. But you couldn't watch any video without seeing that the related videos were people who were just like reacting to the main video, but would just put boobs in the thumbnail. Like I used to get this on every single video I made for for a couple months before they tweak the algorithm around. Like it's a it's a really hard problem to solve when you also consider that there are people who are trying to game the system constantly. And, and so watch time seems reasonable. Now, the, the thing that I don't know is how much does that actually affect the video going out to subscribers? How much does it affect if it gets onto the trending part of YouTube or not? I have no idea. And I don't really have any ability to know, like looking through my own data set and trying to do some correlations, you know, against different values for like, how did, how much does this seem to affect as correlated versus watch time on my videos? I can't really draw any super strong conclusions that there's like an, there's an unambiguous relationship between watch time on a video and how many people view it, right? Like how many views or how many subscribers does it go out to? I, I can't see an unambiguously clear relationship between those two things. There's a second question, which is, do longer videos make you more money? And I think there's there's a confusion that has occurred here among YouTube viewers, which I, I actually think PewDiePie is in no small part responsible for this because he's always making jokes about, the, you know, you got to get the video to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think he, he's put an idea in people's head that the 10 minute number is somehow related to YouTube Red, which distributes money based on watch time. And that's, that's actually not the case. YouTube Red Money is distributed to everybody in proportion to their watch time. But when you get a video over 10 minutes, you can put an ad at the end of it, not just an ad at the beginning. Like those pre-roll ads that show up, you can have one at the end. Oh, okay. That's why lots of YouTube channels are aiming for videos that are 10 minutes and one second long. <laughs> is because it means they can double up the number of ads that potentially show on that video. <sighs> How do you feel about that, Mike? <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, I understand it, but like, I don't know. It's like in its own little way, kind of upsetting to me. It annoys me that it's even a thing. The last time this happened to me was I put up a video, the, the Q&A video that I did. I don't know, maybe like nine months ago now I did a Q&A with gray number three and I remember thinking that one came up to nine minutes long and I was annoyed simply by the fact that I found myself thinking for a second like oh should I do one more question in this Q&A you know to stretch it out to 10 minutes and I thought no like I hate this system <laughs> I don't I don't like that this like this even the fact that this thought is occurring to me like irritates me I don't even want this to be a consideration it's like, now I've spent a whole bunch of time on this script. I think these questions flow in an appropriate way. Like, no, I'm not going to go back in and, and monkey wrench in an additional question so I can make my video 10 minutes and one second long so that there can be a second ad at the end. Like, it just, it just I don't bothers blame me. YouTube for this. This isn't something that I think YouTube is doing wrong. They're doing, like, the best they can, but it's everybody else that's the problem. It's, like, the people who try and game it. Like, funnily enough, it relates back a little bit to what we were just talking about a minute ago. Like mm. The people being within the system, making it worse for everyone 
because they have their own things that they want to try and gain out of it. Like there's someone somewhere who's in charge of how much AdSense revenue does YouTube generate a quarter? And they want to make that number go up. Mm -hmm. And it is totally reasonable that if you say, say you upload a video that's an hour long to YouTube. Well, it's reasonable to have an ad at the beginning, an ad at the end, and to have an ad in the middle. Because it's a totally reasonable thing if someone is on your site for an hour watching some content. Once you concede that point, there has to be some cutoff below which you say you're not allowed to have more than one ad on this video. And, and whatever that number is, you're going to always have people ending up like near that number yep. and then feeling like maybe we make it just a little bit longer. Because like the, the idea of the cutoff is a user friendly, it is a consumer friendly thing. Mm-hmm. But it ends up being negative for the consumer because then you end up with people pushing to get to that point, right? Right. And, and here, here, here is a situation where we now talk about power again, right? Personally, if I was in charge of YouTube AdSense revenue and I was also incredibly secure in my position of power and didn't actually have to increase those numbers, I would, I would probably raise that limit from 10 minutes to 20 minutes. I think 20 minutes, you're going to just cut out a lot of videos that people could possibly stretch. I think 10 minutes is just too close to the point where a bunch of people can stretch it just a little longer to make it 10.01. And 20 minutes is outside of that. But back in reality land, whoever's job it is to be in charge of AdSense revenue has to go to their boss and be like, I would like to decrease quarterly revenue by potentially millions of dollars. Like who knows how much? And, and what's your reason for this? I think it's a slightly better user experience. It's like, no, get out of here. Right? This, is not, this is not possible. Yeah, like, are you crazy? Like, can you show me on paper how much better the user experience it is? Like, do people even really care? And like, this is, it's never going to happen. All right, I have a question for you. We're going to play this game. Okay. The CGP Grey channel mm-hmm. is uh, a video. It's, a cha- it's like one of these channels where it has like four people that make videos for it, right? And you run it. And the videos are coming in at nine minutes and thirty seconds. They keep they keep kind of floating around that number. Mm-hmm. Nine minutes, eight minutes, twenty five. Nine minutes, forty five. Do you, as boss of CGP Grey Channel, instruct your video creators to push to ten? Okay, so now this is a thing where it total like the details totally matter. And one of the questions is, how, like, how well is the business doing? There are many scenarios which I might not even have a choice about whether to do that or not. The business is doing perfectly fine. Okay, so now that now this is this is exactly how I try to arrange my life. The business is doing perfectly fine, and if it's a, arranged the way Gray Industries is arranged, which is I'm the dude in charge and I have no one to answer to, I would just leave it. Like, and but it would be it would be fine. You know, you could make twenty five percent more revenue if you asked your creators to just do. 25 seconds more work for each video i would still say no under the assumption that the business Mm. is doing fine and i can feel confident saying that because i know already that i make a bunch of decisions that are like that sure which which is which is getting back to your very first question about talking about the length of this video like is the length of this video longer to make more money in some ways actually not some ways in almost every way that a spreadsheet can measure this video is a terrible idea (laughs) it's just like a a terrible, terrible idea in terms of 
return on investment in, in terms of how long did it take to make? What I also now find is, is increasingly a thing I have to be aware of is how much does it cost to make when it's not just me working on it anymore? And also when facing the reality of this video could quite easily be two 10 minute videos or three five minute videos. Like there, there are chapter breaks in this video around the dictatorship, democracies, and taxes and revolts. There's no reason I couldn't have made this a three-part series. Especially when you have two more videos planned. Yeah, when I have more videos planned anyway, like it's go- like there's going to be more stuff coming down the road. So it's it's not like it would be feel like an artificial split. You know, it, it's it's a it's a weird thing to look at this and to know for a fact that the way my business runs, I could essentially have tripled the profitability of this video for not very much work, and I chose not to. So this is one of the great things about working for yourself, is that you can make decisions based on taste. That is, it is so, it is so true. I've actually, I've had, I've had a number of decisions like this that happened to come up in the past couple weeks, where there's a question about, should I do a thing the thing is obviously a good business decision, but I don't feel good about doing the thing. And it's like, guess what? I am the CEO and the board of directors of my own company, so I, I don't have to do this. It is a freeing feeling to know that you can do... Like, you know, one of the very basic things for us is the sponsors that we turn down. Yeah, yeah. Companies that I know will give me maybe more money than some of the companies that we work with just because they really want to get their word out. Mm-hmm. But we just say, it's not going to work. Like even things like when we have perfectly valid companies, but we have another company that we're working with that sells the same product. It's not about that there's a contractual thing in place. We just try not to mix the message because it doesn't make sense for us because we think it's confusing to our listeners. Exactly, exactly. And that's and that's the kind of thing that when you're working for yourself, you can make those decisions. It is on the list of things that are beneficial about working for yourself, being able to turn down stuff that you don't feel good about is very high on that list. Even if it doesn't make business sense, you know, perhaps especially when it doesn't make business sense. And, and this video is is one of those cases just so crystal clear people are looking at this video from the perspective of it seems like it's three sections it could have been broken up into three sections why didn't you do that but but from my perspective what i'm looking at is i had a thing that was fifteen thousand words that would have been an hour and 20 minutes long if recorded and what i tried to pull out of it was which three sections go together as a cohesive group and which three sections make sense as a as a place to start when talking about this stuff and it's like that's why this video is is 20 minutes like it's it's not 20 minutes because i was aiming for a watch time point it's certainly not 20 minutes because i would make more money on that like the spreadsheets definitely tell me it's a terrible financial decision but it's 20 minutes because it feels like this is a cohesive group on a topic that is important to me that i think unifies a lot of the other things that i have talked about 
And so I want these to go together. And they have ended up being 20 minutes. But that it is a, it is a process of cutting to 20. It is not remotely a process of building to 20. Today's episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, whilst also supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. You can customize your recipes each week based on your dietary preferences and choose the delivery option that fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment. You only get the deliveries when you want them, and Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with fresh ingredients that support a more sustainable food system, you can make incredible meals. And Blue Apron sets the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Research shows that cooking together builds strong family bonds, and Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Now, these services, like Blue Apron... They not only give you the recipes and they give you the food and everything's easy to prepare, by giving you this stuff and you cooking more and more often with fresh ingredients, you're going to learn skills. You're going to learn how to cook X better. You're going to learn how to chop Y easier. It's going to be way easier for you and way more fun every time you cook, whether you're cooking a Blue Apron meal or not. And that is an invaluable thing that this service provides. New recipes are created by Blue Apron's culinary team and are not repeated within a year. You can cook stuff like crispy chicken milanese with warm Brussels sprouts, celery and potato salad, and roasted pork steam buns with black garlic mayonnaise and spicy cabbage slaw. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Cortex. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals of Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash Cortex, and we thank Blue Apron for their support of this show and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I have a theory Mm -hmm. about this video that I I will share shortly, but I have a question to ask you first. Okay. The question is, how long did this script take? Like, from when it was serious, not from when it was the the video that it was previously. Like, from when you decided, I'm making this video about this topic, and then you started writing the script. Yeah, so that's pretty clear. I can pinpoint for you exactly when this script started to dominate and ruin my life, which was essentially right when I came back from summer uh, vacation. So that that would have been uh, the very end of August or the beginning of September. Okay. That That is when it started to turn into like, this is the only thing I am working on constantly. So we're looking at about two to three months on this? Yeah, roughly, I guess. God, yeah, it's, it's, the, <laughs> given it's the end of October. Yeah, I guess that's about right. Pro- probably closer to two, uh, because I now have this interesting phase where the animator is working on things as well. But yeah, closer to two months than three. All right, so let's say it's two, two months of work. What is the average time that a script takes to complete. Okay, well, this is this is the thing I have a hard time answering because, in general, I say like it it takes a script six weeks to go from 
start to finish. Mm-hmm. But that is almost always implicitly that I'm like, I'm working on other things in the middle. Like I often will work on it for say like two or three weeks and then I intentionally put it aside for a little bit and then I come back and, right, and work on it again. It, you know, I'm working on multiple things. And so I have a very hard time coming up with a number for this script because it was just a thing that uh, my, my family is aware uh, was just constantly on my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I couldn't even possibly begin to put a number on how much time I have spent on this, how, how much time I have, I have written and discarded and written again, enormously long drafts trying to figure out a way to, to approach this topic. So I, I have no number for you, Mike. So this one, but like what kind of my key that I'm trying to drive from this, which you've done perfectly for me is that this one was abnormally hard and tricky and difficult to complete in a way that the scripts usually aren't like this yeah. one was way harder. Yeah. I'm usually frustrated by every script I work on, but like this one was difficult to the point where it was impacting my health difficult. Yeah. Like uh, just anecdotally, I think maybe since since I think the video before America Pox, just in our conversations, I've known something about every video that you've put out since then. I knew nothing about this one other than the fact that it was killing you. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting data point for me to highlight how much you hated this video is that you didn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> and and that was a very interesting to me to to see that. So from from the history of this show and the things that you said in the past, I think listeners would be well aware of the fact, and especially the uh, Settlers of Catan video is is the meme here, that you will put a script to bed if it is killing you. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that with this one. And my theory is that it's because of the animator. Uh, you're totally wrong there. Ah, Sorry, Mike. That's that. Uh, can you see where I was driving at? That like it had changed your business in a certain way because you had started to have assets done. It wasn't just you working on it anymore, and it was too late. No, that was, sorry, that was my theory. Sorry. You're totally God. wrong. Couldn't be more. Wrong. No, no, like the, the, there's an interesting conversation to be had about how uh, having an animator has has changed my business quite a lot, but that is totally wrong. I, uh, I, I, I knew there was. <laughs> I had as much chance of being right as being wrong on this one. I can see why you were thinking that. And I, I did, because I knew this was going to be such a nightmare and I knew it was going to be really long, uh, I, I was having the animator just work on generic stuff way ahead of time. I'm like, okay, look, we're going to need some dictators. We're going to need some kings. We're going to need some thrones and some tanks. And like, I don't exactly know where any of it's going to go, but like, just start drawing. <laughs> um, you know, we can use all of these pieces later. But had this script not come together at some point, I, I would have just abandoned that or we would have just put it on ice and be like, mm-hmm. you know. We'll come back to this at some point, you know. It, a, a drawing of a guy with a crown on it isn't going to go to waste on a CGB Grey channel. Like, it's going it's to come up at some point. So, I don't feel that way. Then I don't know why you kept this one going. I said it before. I found this topic personally important and unifying of a bunch of the other things that I have discussed. This yeah. video is at the base of why a lot of the other things I have complained about in my videos are the way they are. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I think people often in arguments get way too focused on the details. Like they get bogged down in the details of individuals and lose 
sight of the structure. And so this to me feels like I'm, I have two ideas that I'm trying to convey here, but like one of them that I think is so important is like, listen, people, your intense focus on the ruler is misplaced. It's, it's, an inc- it's like, it's not that it's not important, but it's an incredible amount of energy being devoted to the wrong thing when you're talking about problems. Like, and like all the action is one level down. And I think that's a, that's an important idea to convey. And like I, I have seen in personal conversations that when I have been able to turn someone's mind on this topic, just as like I was saying before, I found it personally freeing in some ways with with regards to working within an organization. I have found that has the same effect on other people. Like if I can if I can turn your mind from thinking about these problems as related to individuals instead as problems that fall out of the structure, I think that understanding is is beneficial. I think it makes the world less confusing and much more understandable it makes perfect sense like i can see it, it just like it okay it doesn't make perfect sense actually i understand why you wanted to make it i just can't understand why you stuck with it because it goes against so many of your kind of underlying principles of the way that you conduct yourself in business it was okay well what principles do you think it contradicts right it just it completely shattered the spreadsheets yeah which is one, and it consumed your entire life. Mm. You couldn't work on anything else, mm. and it made you sad. <laughs> uh, you know, because you always say, right? Like, and it's something that that I admire that it, it, you you work the amount that you want to work, and, and you don't work any more than that, right? Like, it's it's like a, a kind of a real de- defining thing about the way that Gray Industries is run is that it is not that you you don't want to work every minute of the day you yeah. just work the things you know you, you work the amount that you need to work this was way more than that yeah but but you know I mean there's, there's two points here one of which is I think people often get distracted by the fact that I like metrics I like spreadsheets but I always use them as as guidelines they're not laws like i i am i am not beholden to the spreadsheet so the fact that a video breaks the spreadsheet i feel like well this is this is i have set up my whole business so that i can do this exact thing so that it is like this is not a problem that video doesn't make sense in terms of like roi on my hours right and then the second thing is this I couldn't have let go if I even wanted to, right? I, it was it just, this is one of those moments where like my brain would never have let this go. So I'm like, well, I guess, I guess I'm just going to plow through this. Like, I'm, I guess I'm just going to have weeks where I keep waking up in the middle of the night, thinking about the thing and writing down notes and trying to figure out how it goes. Uh, I, I, I feel like I, in some sense, had no choice but to plow through and, and finish this video, I just don't think I, I could have let it go anyway. So, Even though it destroyed my theory, I'm kind of happy to hear this because, like, not that I didn't think this about you, but it's nice to know that, like, the creation, the, the desire to create the thing is still there, you know, even though you've been successful at what you do for so long. 
mm-hmm. that like the, the like the overwhelming desire to make the thing still exists even though you have the ability to just make good stuff right that doesn't do this to you mm-hmm. you could have just said this is too hard i'm going to work on one of the other ideas that i have yeah. because I, the business needs to keep running like i can't i can't do this like this is too much you could have very easily done that but you didn't. You decided, like, I have this thing that I really care about that currently is a money pit, but I really want to make it, so I'm going to make it. And then, like, that, I don't know, there's something like that that then couples up, because considering how much money or, or opportunity this video cost you, it would have made more sense to split it into two videos. But you didn't do that. Like, I don't know, this is something about that that is it's nice to just to see. I feel like I need to say something really robotic now to pull you back, Mike. Bleep bloop doesn't compute. <laughs> yeah, you're getting you're getting like flowers in your eyes at this moment. <laughs> There's nothing you can do now. It's out there. The idea's out there. It's run away from you. Look at me. I'm a tortured artist. Ooh. You were, though, man. <laughs> Just... <laughs> yeah, no, I really was this time. It was I awful. I saw your head in your hands a few times. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. It was really terrible. I was looking at the numbers of this video, and... As of the time of recording, uh, you've broke 2 million views on this video, which is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I started looking at the other numbers on your channel, and they're so large, right? They're all in the millions. And I started thinking about viral videos. Like, viral videos are usually seven-figure view videos, right? Sometimes more than yours, sometimes just the level of yours. And I wondered, like... If virality even plays into CGP Grey videos anymore, like, are they not just all viral videos? And, like, if all videos are viral, are any really viral? (laughs) (laughs) Right, when everyone's super, no one is. Yeah. Uh, Like, that is... That is totally an interesting question. And... Like, are you just in the viral video business? Yeah, but see, I, I I I have started to think about it in a different way. Like I used to very much think about my videos as viral videos, but I think at some point they're just things that I make. Right? Something about viralness is a question of of outlierness, right? Like you you think of viral as a person has a, has a regular YouTube channel and then they make a video and it goes really crazy and it's an order of magnitude larger than anything else, right? Or, or, or I, actually, we have, a, we have a perfect example of, of someone who, who has regularly high view numbers who recently had a viral video, which is Casey Neistat. He generally gets whatever it is now, two, two, three million views, you know, in in a video. And then he did that video about, what was it, Dubai Airlines? I still haven't gotten around to watching it. $21,000 first class airline seat, which you need to watch. It's fantastic. And currently it's at 24 million views. Right. I think of the word, I think of the word viral is going to mean something. There's, it has to be something about outlier status. My gosh, that's his most viewed video right but that like i'm not surprised that it is and it's a month old yeah but that's viralness right yeah, but, he, but like, my point is he had a bunch of really popular videos you know anyhow. yeah but i think casey casey neistat's career is sort of similar in that 
he started out making viral videos and now he just makes vlogs that routinely get millions of views right. every day of the week. Virality is relative. I think there's a way to think about that, yeah. And I I I I have a hard time thinking about the metrics for my own videos like what is a successful video what is not a successful video and and part of it is this idea that like i don't make viral videos like my videos have relatively similar numbers the ones that have numbers that are much larger are generally much older right which which you should expect uh and so like i don't even though i am getting pretty big numbers that if they happen to a random YouTube channel, you would definitely say like that is a viral video. But I'm not. I'm not sure that they can be described as viral videos. Like I don't think that's really what I do. I think it def- it depends on like your definition of such. Like if view numbers is what you're looking for, then you don't make viral videos anymore because all of your videos are very large in number, view number. But it's like what if it's um how they get around, right? Like that they're everywhere they're posted on websites and stuff and and that still happens to you like the the videos stretch outside of your subscription base by a huge margin is that virality you know so like that it depends on your definition of it which there isn't one yeah anyhow like that was just it was just a thing that i wondered because at a certain point like they're not thought of as being viral by you anymore because they're just this is just what you do like two million view videos Right, but it's but it's more important that they are they're within an order of magnitude of each other, all of them, right? Yeah. Like it, there there aren't really any outliers, and no. I think in, in my mind that's that's what it is. Because the video that the videos that have been the outliers in the past are not anymore because time has made that not so much. Like the difference between the UK, like the UK video UK explained, and humans need not apply. Those videos which were the standouts over time have become less exceptional because other videos are catching up to them. Yeah, but if, if I if I look back on... Because I've just put together a spreadsheet which has all of this naturally, data. Naturally. If, I, if I look back on the 2011 time in my career, which is when I was just getting started, the variance in the videos is very high. Yes. Right, like so... Uh, like my first video, uh, I have all of the data... Um, adjusted for the first 28 days so how did it do in the first month right and so like the the my very first video the uk difference one totally a viral video right it did seven hundred and twenty thousand views in the first month my next video first past the post did thirty two thousand views right in the first month and there's there's a lot of numbers like that where it's you know it's many hundreds of thousands 30,000, right? Half a million, 50,000, 100,000, and then 600,000. Like that is way more like I was in the viral business then because the variance was just much higher. Looking at the channel now, it's so funny to me that time management for teachers and the daisy chain computer cable thing are still still there. Look, this is is part of YouTube (laughs) tradition, right? You're not supposed to remove your old videos that are unrelated. Like... You, Mike, here's the thing. This is, this is the problem with, you, with this new generation of YouTubers like you, right? Is you have an idea of what this is supposed to be right from the start and you know what you're doing. Right? Whereas us old timers didn't have 
any idea what we were doing and like stumble upon a thing. But if that's the way you were, you have to leave up those old videos, right? It's just, that's just the way it happens. Like if MKBHD ever takes down that video of 12 year old him reviewing a VCR, I will be very sad. Maybe I won't be a vlogger in a year, right? And then, it, <laughs> then all of this that I'm doing now is just this weird history. Yeah, we will see. <laughs> but one of the funny effects of these large numbers so you recommend the dictator's handbook right yeah at the end of the video um and uh this is the book that you learn from and and you mentioned people to go and check it out because you think it's very good and you did a really great job of selling this book like i became interested in the book as well i don't know what it was that you did but i was like yeah i want to read this book which is a very rare thing for me um and then somebody contacted you i think or you checked and saw that the book had gone from like position 53,000 to 24 on Amazon and is now out of stock in hardcover. Yeah. So when I did the video, uh, when I did the America Pox video on uh, Guns, Germs and Steel, essentially. Everyone's favorite book, Guns, Germs and Steel. Totally uncontroversial in any Mm -hmm, way, mm -hmm. which anyway, (laughs) we'll leave that aside. She thinks it's a great book. People should read it. Uh, like, read what it actually says, not what people say it says. But that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> For another day. <laughs> or never. But after I put that up, uh, someone messaged me or something. Or like it, it only occurred to me later to think, oh, Amazon has public sales rankings of, of their data, which I, I didn't quite realize. Like, you can use this as like a stock market for books. And... I thought, oh, I wish I had known this ahead of time because I, I was kind of curious to see, like, do my videos move book sales if I reference a book in particular? Like, I didn't have any idea. I was kind of curious. And so doing this video was a kind of perfect test case because, uh, again, because I think this is, this is actually like it's an important topic and I think it is helpful for people to understand this topic. I really did want to make a push for like, you need to read or listen to this book at the end. Like it's a very hard sales push because like, I want people to read this book. And so because of that, I was curious to see like, does it make any effect on the actual sales? And so I took a screenshot ahead of time of, of where the book was. And it was something like in the, you know, the 50,000s of bestsellers, right? So if you, if you rank all of the books on Amazon by how well they're selling, it was like the 50,000th uh, bestselling book. And, and yes, the the high watermark, as far as I was able to catch, was a jump from 50,000 to 19 on, on all of Amazon. It, it made its way to the page that lists the top 20 best-selling wow. books on Amazon. And then a little while, people started tweeting me that the delay for the book was up to two to five weeks. So I was like, I wonder if we sold out Amazon? Like, is did, did this did this happen? And then, uh, lo and behold, I got an email from the publisher of the book. No way! That's awesome! Who told me that they had sold all of the books. (laughs) And that they were doing another printing of the book because there were no more books. Can you see? Like, the thing about this, it's like, the what the video was about and then you made a video and now there's no book like the power in all inherently in all of that it's so weird to me you were able to just destroy the inventory 
I, I mean, like, it, it's a it's a strange experience because I was like, I was wondering, like, oh, this book is at fifty thousand. I wonder if we can move it to forty thousand. Right? Like, like, is the it, can I see? Can I even see on Amazon? Because the interesting thing is, I don't tell people go buy the book on Amazon. Right? You're it's it's part to go of buy it on Audible. Exactly. It's it's part of an Audible ad. I'm saying like go listen. I'm saying go listen to this book, but but nonetheless, even when I don't reference Amazon, I didn't put a link to Amazon in the video. <laughs> like there's there's nothing there's nothing about Amazon here. And afterwards, I find out that every physical copy of the book that exists has been sold, and they're printing more. That uh, is it's, incredible. It was it was uh, it was surprising to say the least. Don't let this power go to your head, man. Well, I'm glad people are reading the book. You know, it's it's like, like a mission accomplished. Mission way more accomplished than I ever thought it was going to happen. Like, I actually feel good that if I go all in on, like, telling my audience, like, I think you should read this book, that they trust me enough to go do yeah, that. That's cool. That, that I think that's that's the part that I feel good about, you know, because like I've I've done I've done other book ads before, and I'm I, like I always try to recommend something that I like, but it's I thought like this one is this one is different. Like I'm trying to communicate to the audience, like go read this book, and I want to see like does does this book in particular move at all in the sales if I do that, and so it does. The the way that you presented that was particularly impactful you could tell that you really meant it like mm-hmm. you should read this like because i came away from it being like maybe i should read that which <laughs> yeah, and you, you, know, you never know me, read anything that doesn't happen very often i'm not going to but i thought about it for a minute. right i'll take that as a victory in mike's mind <laughs> even if for a fleeting moment i had mike think maybe i'll read a non-fiction book <laughs> the only books i ever read are for the cortex book club it's yeah. the only books i ever read but yeah i think that's amazing it really is kind of incredible. Like, but you got to remember though that with great power comes great responsibility. I understand. I certainly won't be using my newfound knowledge to oh, God. plot to take over the world. <laughs> and today's show is also brought to you by Indochino, one of the largest made-to-measure menswear brands around. Indochino make it easy for men to get great-fitting, high-quality suits and shirts at incredible prices. When Indochino first got in contact, I was super excited. Like every suit that I have ever owned has been just bought off the rack, buy it from a store. And there's always just something about it that just doesn't fit right for me. Maybe the trousers or the pants, as you would call them if you're in America, feel a little tight. Maybe the jacket isn't cut right. It feels strange under my arms. There's always something that I don't like. And buying made-to-measure suits is something I've always wanted to do, but I'm not willing to spend thousands of pounds or dollars to do so. But this is what excites me about Indochino. You can get a made-to-measure suit of your own with all of your measurements for just a few hundred dollars. This is how it works. You go to Indochino.com, that's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, and you can play it old school as well if you want and visit one of their nine showrooms in America. You take a look through their hundreds of fabrics and patterns, then you choose all of your own customizations from lapels to pleats to jacket linings and more. You just submit your body measurements and they'll make your suit. 
and the body measurement stuff is super simple. They have a really handy tool that walks you through step by step of what you need to measure and how you need to do it. They even have little videos and you just enter the measurements one by one. And if any are wrong, like if they find or any that they think might be peculiar, you get a list at the end where they're like, can you just double check this? Because their system is so smart that it can pick out things that may have not been measured correctly. If you need it, Indochino will even mail you a lovely little tape measure. It was so easy to do. And then once you've done this, you just kick back, relax and get ready to step into the best, most stylish suit you've ever worn in just four weeks. Now, here's the cool part. Listeners of this show can get any of Indochino's premium suits for just $389 at Indochino.com when you enter the code Cortex at checkout. Now, this is a huge 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free and your satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Once again, that's Indochino.com, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code Cortex for any premium suit for just $389 with free shipping. You'll never have to worry about badly fitting suits or expensive trips to the tailor again. I cannot wait to get mine, so I can also look like a million bucks. Thank you so much to Indochino for their support of this show and Relay FM. Talking about power. Yes. I kind of can't believe this happened in the cortex reddit in the cortex subreddit somebody posted a photo of their write-in vote for gray hurley as president (laughs) vice president (laughs) (laughs) i want to make before we go any further i have to say this okay whilst this is of course amazing and hilarious vote gray hurley 2016 (laughs) in the presidential election your vote is important don't forget that that's i will just say that like it is important i'm sure gray would agree if in in the democracy it's important to vote if you're going to vote don't waste your votes (laughs) however i've said that now okay so that is the the part i have to say that so listeners your vote is very important However, this is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, like, this is, uh, like, all I'm waiting for is for the Mike disclaimer to, to end, right? So Mike yeah. can feel like he has a clear conscience here. Yep. My conscience <laughs> is clear. Like, like, listen, listeners, that is what has actually occurred here, right? Mike has just cleared his moral conscience. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you've got it. It's like, and I did. I am perfectly happy to toy with civilization and say that this is hilarious. It's incredible. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And do you know what's even better about this? Because I, I tweeted about this and somebody contacted me to say that in this state, in Illinois, it is a class four felony to take your picture and share it in a ballot booth. Brave, brave supporter. I know. <laughs> it just adds to the amazingness of it all. And it's just there in black and white. For mm-hmm. president and vice president, CGP Grey, Mike Hurley. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> we got one. We know we got one. We got one. And of course, this, this, is the, this is the thing that happens in every election. Is The really interesting thing is to see in this county... When they do the final tally, uh, is there one vote for Gray Hurley 2016? Oh, yeah, we can check this one. Like th- This happens, this is a thing, like, this happens every single year where someone puts in a write-in candidate, and then in the final totals, it is not listed, which makes you always feel like, huh, that's concerning. But, like, every election ever, this is always a story that happens. And so now, 
we might be this story if this county in Illinois doesn't actually report in the final total that there was a gray early vote. <laughs> we could be at the center of a national news story, Mike. So this is in Jackson County, Illinois. All right. Wow. All right, Jackson County vote counters. We got our eyes on you. Yeah, we know because we know it's there now. <laughs> That's fantastic. I have, to say, I have to say, I just thing of beauty. I think I screamed. When I saw this, I just happened to be in just like just opened Reddit and it just had just been posted. Mm-hmm. I was so excited about it. It was yeah, it's kind of a it's really silly, but it's really amazing. Yeah, I mean, and and to but your vote is important. Don't forget, <laughs> I have to say it. I have to. Say Mike it. needs to say that to feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think I think viewers can can watch my video and and come to their own conclusions. Uh, but. You know, even though I will say like, oh, if nominated, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. Still, when seeing your name on a ballot for president for just a moment, you're yeah. like, maybe I should reach out and grasp power. I'm like, no, no, I'm like resist it. Resist it. It's a terrible idea. Nobody wants that job. It's an awful, it's an awful job. Like, I don't want it. But for just a moment. We could take a term. Just <laughs> one just- term. You know, like it will, it will suck and it will be horrible, but we could do it together. Like you know, just for four years. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, in the, so in the history books, it's like Mike Hurley was elected in 2016 for the lulls. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, we just take one term. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the whole thing. We will have no, we will have no political capital, so we will accomplish nothing. But that's fine. <laughs> we're just one term. That's all we're gonna yeah. do. What could go wrong? How, how, much, how much bad could happen in four years? I can't imagine very much. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> it is it, amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> I bought a ticket for VidCon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I didn't know they were on sale yet. Uh, they are on sale now. I got like a pre-sale ticket. Oh, because you're part of the Cool Kids Club, right? Not really. Uh, I am a member of the Internet Creators Guild, which is something that I pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because it's that was established by Hank Green, VidCon is run by Hank Green. There was like a very small discount and an early ticket that you could buy if you were part of the ICG, which I took advantage of because the mm-hmm. ticket was nowhere near as expensive as I expected. Mm-hmm. It was like one hundred and thirty dollars or something. Ah, but which but which tier is that, Mike? Because as I learned on my last trip to VidCon, it is very it is very much a class system with several tiers. That are represented by the physical levels in the building. <laughs> so which tier are you? I went for creator. Ah, uh, okay. So you, you are the top tier then. Well, no, there was industry. Oh, God, I can't even remember. <laughs> industry was like $500. <laughs> the worst VidCon attendee ever. <laughs> I can't remember which way the tiers go. I mean, I would have gone for the industry to just get the most of everything. But I'm, I was reading it and I was, I'm genuinely interested in the creator track. Mm-hmm. like the courses and like the workshops and stuff is stuff that i genuinely want to do mm-hmm. like to understand how to be better at youtube <laughs> like i think even in june of next year i will need that help so i thought i this is what i'll do and plus i just for at least for my first one i just want to go and just see it i just want to mm-hmm. see it to see the madness i just want to i just want to experience what goes on there like for the same reason that you did it right like just to just see it Exactly. Like, I want to see this thing that is thousands and thousands of people. 
with the way of American hotels work, I booked a hotel room. I don't have to pay for it until I go. Right. So I forget it's, I'm not really losing I'm, the, at most I'll lose $130, mm-hmm. which, which is fine. All right. So the business paid for it. Like I'm good. I'm now just hoping that I can go. Right. Because that time of year is also when Apple's WWDC conference occurs. Right. My real hope is that it happens like what happened last year, where it was like one week is one, the next week is the other, because then that's perfect. I'll be in San Francisco and then go to L.A. Yeah, last year that worked out fantastically because, you know, I mean, that's that's the whole reason why I had this crazy summer was is a bit of a question like, would I go out to California just for VidCon? Like, maybe not. I really don't like traveling. I, do, I have a really hard time with jet lag. Would I go out just for WWDC? It's like, oh, God, no, I have no reason in the world to be a WWDC, really. But it's like, but if you take those two and put them back to back, suddenly it makes a difference. It's like, oh, now now this might make sense to do. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that, that's why that's why that happened for me. But I mean, Apple never announces their dates until the last possible minute. So who yep. knows how dates are going to align this upcoming summer? However, there has been a change to VidCon this year, which works in my favor in that mm-hmm. it's now longer. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's four days. Really? So it runs from the 21st to the 24th. Does that include the Disney day where everybody goes no, to Disneyland? No, that's the 25th. Okay, so it's actually five days now. Wow. Yeah. So even if it's the same week, I could still get two days of VidCon in at the end. I could go on Friday and Saturday. Okay, so you'll commute down to LA from San Francisco if you're in WWDC and then yeah. go to VidCon for the end of it? Yeah, and I go for the last two days. That's not an unreasonable thing to do. Because I'm still just, I'm only going to see, right? Like, ideally, I want to do the whole thing. But prime, like, and I want to do all of the courses. I want to do the whole track. But my primary reason is I want to see and experience VidCon. Like, mm-hmm. So I'll still get those two days and I will go to Disney. Mm-hmm. on the on the 25th because i've always wanted to so this is like i will be in the area it's a great idea to go but yeah so i i'm it's it's very basically right now the only reason i would not go to vidcon is if like wwdc is the first or second week mm. of june because then it's like i'm not gonna be in california for three weeks right this is too big of a gap between too them big. I mean, if it's two weeks total, I'll do it. But past that, I, I wouldn't do it. But So, yeah, mm. I, I just want to go. Plus, I know that this year, uh, 2017, there is VidCon Europe for the first time. I think it's in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'll see what the, inf- the information for that is. I might like to go, but I want to go to VidCon Prime. Like, I want to go to the US one. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good name for it. Yeah, I know that they announced this year that they're doing VidCons. Uh, where's the other one? Is Europe, Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah I, I'm trying to think what city it is in Australia. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, VidCon Prime might be a good name for the one in LA because I think that's there's no way that's not always going to be the biggest. It is in the heart of LA with the whole of the entertainment industry around it. Yep. And YouTube is now solidly in the middle of the entertainment industry. So you just have the the largest number of people who could go there and would be motivated to go there are within a 30 minute drive of where it's going to be you know so it's always going to be huge at least for this year everyone that would go from europe and from australia is still going to go to la anyway yeah maybe like if you go if you're a european creator and you go to vidcon every year you're not going to be like i don't need to go this year i'll just wait for it to be in amsterdam 
like you're still going to go mm-hmm. because that's what you do right mm-hmm. and because you don't know what europe's going to be like yet you know so i, f- I feel like e- this year is, is still worth me going and, and i'm just interested in seeing it i'm interested in learning about it like i just want to experience it like even from you telling me about it last year before i had any desire to be a youtuber i wanted to go because i the way this the explanations and the conversations that we had about it was like this thing just sounds incredible in all the right and wrong ways like i just want to experience this bananas thing you know it is very big there are lots of people that is it is very overwhelming <laughs> are you at all likely to go again I, I don't know i mean this this to me is hard to answer in, in no small part because i'm i'm feeling like VidCon tickets are already on sale. Like I was just at VidCon. I, I was just <laughs> there, right? Like this, this is this is my feeling about it. Uh, but you know, f- for me, with this kind of stuff, like I don't, I don't go to a lot of conferences. I don't like traveling very much. And I think this, this always, this is going to boil down to me with an entire dependency on. What are what is everything else that is occurring this summer that relates to my life? And and so if there is a way that VidCon works, I might go to VidCon. Uh, but I think it's it's very likely that depending on what my travel plans are this summer, like I'm, I would not go to VidCon. But I, I don't know. Like if it works, I might go. If it doesn't work, obviously I won't go. But it's like my business is not necessarily VidCon focused. Like I'm not really in that hollywood industry and i wouldn't go for fan reasons either so it's just like it's a big justification for me to to fly all of the way to california when i find it such an unpleasant thing to do i'm not ruling it out but i'm just saying like it's not something that i would build my calendar around whereas i know there are lots of people who like vidcon is the event in the year and it makes total sense that they would like plan their entire summers around that uh but that that is not the way my business works so i'm i'm much more wishy-washy about it mm-hmm. uh than otherwise I'll, I'll i'll figure it out you know closer to the closer to the summer if vidcon was in july i wouldn't be even thinking about this yeah it's yeah. just because it's in the same month probably within the same two weeks that i'm already in california right yeah like it's it to me it kind of feels like a little bit of a no-brainer really as as a business decision to do this like if i get one thing worthwhile out of this experience then it's worth it yeah i think it makes i think it makes total sense for you like you are it seems to me like you're really enjoying doing the youtube channel like i i I would have a hard time imagining a scenario where you are not still vlogging by the summer. Yep. Right? Like it, I think that's as guaranteed as a thing can possibly be. Or at least making YouTube videos. Yeah, or the, yeah, right. making YouTube videos of some yeah. kind. Yeah, th- th- yeah, that's right. Those videos will be your, your embarrassing first ones <laughs> when, you, when you have an entirely, when you just switch to pure tech reviews, right? That's, it's like, oh, Mike used to do this vlogging thing before Could he became like, tech reviews. Yeah, you never I, I, know. I like that. So maybe, right? Yeah, it could, it could totally be, but... But so that's why it seems to me like VidCon for you in the situation that you're in right now is is essentially a no-brainer. Like it's it's obvious that you should do it. And I'm glad to hear that you got a ticket. And I think the the creator track ticket is probably the best return on investment you're going to get as far as tickets go. Like the the industry ticket, 
I think the answer to that one is if you're if you if you have any doubt about the industry ticket, the industry ticket is not for you, right? Like it's you just know what the industry ticket is for people in the industry whose businesses are paying them to go do a thing. Like if that's not you, the creator ticket is is probably what you want if you're making YouTube videos like you are and you want to learn more about it, you know, and you want to maybe make some contacts. And then I forget what the other one is, but like the, the sort of the fan level community. Oh God, yes, your favorite word. How could I forget? Yes, the community ticket is the. You do not have a YouTube channel. You probably don't have any interest in starting a YouTube channel, but you want to go and see creators that you like. You you also want to experience the madness and the craziness that is VidCon. Tell you why I know that I shouldn't buy the community ticket. Why? One of the things that the community ticket promotes that it gets you access to is the VidCon prom. There's a prom? It's a VidCon prom, yeah. Huh. That's why I know I shouldn't get the community ticket. I think I'm too old for prom. You're not going to take me to the prom? I mean, if you want to. I don't want to. 